0: Welcome to the Whiskey and Lemon podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about having balance. If you listened to the last episode of the podcast, which was all about living in the moment, then you know that this episode, I wanted to talk about how we could plan for the future while also living in the moment. And the key to that, to me, is having balance. So let's jump right in. When planning for the future, there are some important things you must address. Ask yourself what things are important to you when planning for your future. Where would you like to be personally and professionally in a year, two years, or even five? What changes or moves do you plan on making in order to make those things possible? What business strategies can you start implementing to make your goals a reality in a year from now? What personal development can you execute to make your life goals transpire in two years from now? It is important to maintain motivation allowing it to come from within as well as others to hold you accountable to your plans or your missteps. While we need supportive people in our lives, it is also essential to have those that will challenge us and keep us in check when we may drift or fall off track. To effectively plan for the future, we have to be aware of what personal growth we want for our lives. We should make a conscious effort to change negative lifestyle habits, things that are impeding on our happiness and the overall quality of our lives. In turn, we can thrive on our positive lifestyle habits. When we permeate our lives with positivity, it becomes twofold. Center yourself on gratitude and understanding. When we do this, it heightens the probability of us receiving that same attitude from others. Take note of your surroundings and what things you know you want your future to consist of and the things that you don't so that you may live life accordingly. In the pursuit of balance, there's the pursuit of happiness. And the secret to happiness is that there is no secret at all. We all get hit with stress in our lives. What we have to work at is not allowing it to control us. This doesn't mean that you pretend to be happy. It means that you choose happiness. That you don't wait or look for someone or something to provide it to you. Go for a run, take a walk, read, go for a swim. Whatever brings you happiness do more of that. What does it mean to choose happiness? It simply means that you are deciding to feed the part of your soul that is complimentary, joyous, loving, hopeful, serene, kind, and compassionate, while starving the part of your soul that is fearful, anxious, angry, envious, self-victimizing, resentful, and critical. It's normal to have these negative feelings sometimes, we just have to learn to replace them with the more positive ones. When you realize that you are complaining and protruding angry thoughts and behavior, that is when you have to make the conscious decision to stop. Then and there, you decide whether to change your mindset and intentionally try to make your situation better or sit and complain about it. When you're feeling down, don't self-victimize, don't become fearful or envious of people or circumstances. Instead, be complimentary, hopeful, and loving. When you replace the first set of emotions with the second, you can allow yourself to see that you control your life. When things occur that seem out of our control, devise a plan to make it better. Remember that things happen for a reason and things also have their timing. Let things unfold naturally, be dedicated, but also know the difference between perseverance and force. Let's take a look at three ways to choose happiness. So number one is don't beat yourself up. While some of our suffering is the result of unfortunate experiences, you may notice that much of your suffering might be self-induced, judgments about yourself or others, or putting judgments on yourself that you think others have on you when they really don't. You're replaying past experiences or fixating on potential problems, things that could occur or things that are not even in the realm of possibility. You're already stressing about it before it's happened. So choose happiness from within includes feeding the positive receptacles of your mind. You must revert your attention from negative cogitation and predetermined issues and reset it toward more cheerful and optimistic views. And I'm not saying, as I mentioned before, just be happy, ignore the negative thoughts, but really sit there and think about if this is something that should be stressing you or if this is something that You're more putting on yourself, causing more anxiety for yourself that doesn't even need to be there. Number two is savor the good times. Somewhere along the line, we've developed a knack to focus on the bad in our lives while ignoring the good as if they're just neutral events that we shouldn't give much recognition to. Make it a goal to have an extraordinary day every morning, make it a habit to reflect on your day at night. So take a short account of experiences that you might have taken for granted. How much do you appreciate the hot showers you take every day? How much gratitude was put forth toward the last meal you ate? As you start off with the little things, it makes it easier to adopt the behavior. Make it a conscious decision to refocus your perception of the past as a way to live a happier future. And number three, exercise optimism. No matter what unpleasant experiences have come your way, remember that every day is a new day. We do not know the future, so why choose to only focus on what negativity can occur when neutral or positive experiences have a better chance? If you think about it, most of what you worry about never happens anyway. Make a real effort to exercise optimism. Choose to imagine what could go right and anticipate positive experiences. A major habit we tend to encompass is that we are so worried about what things could go wrong that we tend to miss the things that could go right. No one said adopting these behaviors is going to be easy, but I will say that it's going to be worth it. Yes, we will be fighting our natural tendencies, searching outside of ourselves for happiness when really we hold the key. Not only will these changes help your mental and physical health, you'll ultimately be a happier person because you are choosing to be. Set your mind on what you want to accomplish. Realize the importance of that project and succeed to the very end. Rosalind Carter says you have to have confidence in your ability and then be tough enough to follow through. Analyze what it would mean to succeed on your project by defining completion. If a project that you're working on does not have a clear answer as to what it means to be complete, define it yourself. Decide what completion looks like to you so that you know when you've reached that point. This will make you more aware of when you have successfully followed through. For example, if you were to plan to train for a marathon, what would completion of training look like to you? Do not leave the realm of success open-ended with being able to do a lot of miles at once, being able to run for two hours, or being able to run faster than I already do. What's considered a lot of miles? What if you run for two hours and only complete three miles? What if you only run a second faster than you did on your last run? Use descriptive indicators like complete 10 miles in one hour. Utilizing quantitative detailers and progress that you can measure will drastically assist you in defining completion. For example, if you want to learn a new language, define completion. Is this when you're simply able to say a sentence in the language? Is this when you're able to have a conversation in the language? or is completion when you say that you are fluent and can confidently give a speech in the language. It does not matter which you choose as long as you identify what completion looks like beforehand. This way, at the start of your project, you can clearly identify you have reached that point. You will confidently know that you have set a goal and accomplished it. You follow through and you reach completion. Jules Schroeder writes an article based on Alexi Pano's solution to combat risk aversion. And there are five ways that we can do that. Number one, it's stop trying to be a people pleaser. And number two, be willing to rock the boat. Number three, get vulnerable and share your story. Number four, shatter what you think is possible. And number five, say yes to your intuition. While we're on the subject of balance, I also want to leave you with a few tips on how you can balance your work and personal life, especially during these times when a lot of people are working from home. Number one, communicate with your clients and colleagues. Number two, understand that you can't accept every project. Number three, resist failure guilt or guilt for the need to take a break. Number four, put a little effort into organization. Minimizing stress so that you don't have to search for things later. Number five, schedule and adhere to your private time. Number six, learn how to let go of things. Number seven, establish boundaries in the office. Number eight, exercise and be health conscious. Number nine, start small and build versus start big and plummet. And number 10, remember that sleep really does matter. And as always, I hope this information was helpful for you. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review.